What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this sat the weekend of Saturday, the first weekend of the month of October, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about as the Major League Baseball regular season comes uh, to a close later on, uh, on Sunday, later later on this weekend. Uh, we, the NL West and the American League Wild Card uh, spots are still yet to be decided. We'll get into that. Preview week four in the NFL, including that Bucks Patriots game. Uh, two key vital matchups going on in the NFC West. A Raider Charger intriguing matchup on Monday night, and I and of course the Week Four picks against the spread. And you know that I'm going to lead the program with recapping the Thursday night that was between the Cincinnati between my Cincinnati Bengals and the now 0-4 Jacksonville Jaguars, who have now lost, uh, who have now lost 19 games in a row dating back to Week Two of the 2020 season after they had beaten uh, Indianapolis week uh, back in uh, week one uh, of not this past September we're coming out of, but of course September of 2020. So let me just break this game down for you and then take a break, get on to the baseball, and then move on with, to some other things. Uh, first off, from Cincinnati Bengals fan perspective, they could have not have played a worse half during the sequence of that during the uh, during that sequence of that football game. I mean, you want to talk about a horrendous, horrendous first half. The halftime score was fourteen nothing. It felt like we were down twenty eight. I mean, I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, outside outside of the first offensive drive. The first offensive drive that the Bengals had, which was good, out the the two things, the two sour notes about about the Bengals' first offensive drive in the game was the uh, was the offensive pass interference penalty on Chase, where he pushed off, which would have set up, the, which would have been a huge chunk play in a first round for Cincinnati, which I my estimation probably would have led to a uh, probably would have led to an opening drive score. That was the first thing. The offensive pass interference penalty negated. Jamar Cases, Jamar Chases, excuse me, uh, great catch towards the right, towards the uh, upper sideline, sets the Bengals back 10, 15 yards, and you know can't get anything going. Their offense, but the the drive uh, falters and sputters out. They got to settle for Evan McPherson field goal, which he misses. Uh, you know, so so the, so they had a great offensive drive marching down the field. Tyler Boyd got involved. Jamar Chase. I mean, you want to talk about? I mean, thank God I didn't overreact and lose my mind and look like a complete fool back in the preseason because he. I mean, I tell you, you want to talk about? You know, you want to talk about a guy that totally has just. Flipped the switch and has somehow, some way, gotten over whatever demons he was dealing with in the preseason and all throughout training camp because he has just—I mean, it's—it's it's a complete 180 from how he played in the preseason, dropping every ball in sight. The issues with you know the NFL ball is harder to see because there's no white straps. I love the college ball taking a year off because he didn't participate uh, for the LSU for LSU uh, last football season. He sat out because of COVID and everything else, so so it's just, you know, and me not being pleased but reserving judgment on draft night on uh, in late on uh, in late April when they drafted him with the fifth overall pick instead of an offensive line, 
Well, you know, it's very rarely that you want to give the Bengals credit for anything, and you always want to reserve judgment and want to, you know, wait and see the, the when the writing eventually uh, shows up on the wall for you to say anything. But it looks like that the Cincinnati Bengals, whether it be Duke Tobin, the GM, or Zach Taylor, whoever it, whoever it is, you know, maybe you know, maybe it's because maybe they knew something that uh, maybe they knew something that none of us, uh, or excuse me, that I or any other Bengals fan that was against the Chase pick uh, knew, and that was the fact that Jamar Chase has been has done an absolutely phenomenal job uh, thus far as a as a Cincinnati Bengal uh, as a rookie, and then of course, and then on top of the fact that outside of really the Chicago Bear game and the Viking game, they were a little iffy in the Viking game as far as their offensive uh, as far as the protection for their offensive line. But outside of the Viking game and in the Bear game, where they were just absolutely atrocious. You know, the offensive line for the Bengals has done a damn good job. They did not allow they did not allow a sack in the Pittsburgh game. Granted, I understand. Again, no TJ Watt, but still no sack is no, no sacks allowed is no sacks allowed. And the Bengals and the Bengals only uh, and the Bengals only got and the Bengals only had Joe Burrow get sacked one time. So he, so he went untouched, went untouched in the Pittsburgh game, and then five days later, you know, he gets sacked only one time, you know, in the Jaguar game, you will indeed take that if you are such as yours truly a Cincinnati uh, Bengals fan. And here's a stat that I saw on Monday uh, that I failed to give you guys on on Wednesday's episode. Jamar Chase has a 30-yard receiving touchdown in each of his first three career games as a uh, starting wide receiver in the NFL. No other wide receiver has been able to do that in the Super Bowl era. Jamar Chase uh, Jamar Chase did in the first three games. He did not catch a touchdown pass uh, in week, in, excuse me, on Thursday night against Jacksonville. You, CJ Uzama did most of the heavy lifting as far as the as far as the receiving side of the football is concerned. We'll get to him in a minute. But it was a horrendous first half. The defense, I mean, my goodness gracious, they could they were getting deked and were getting faked out on the simplest of RPOs. Trevor Lawrence, we all know how great Trevor Lawrence is, and we all saw from his days back at Clemson how well he is able to run the football. And utilize the RPO. He's six six guy and get and has the mobility and has the elusive and has the elusiveness and the uh, and is as and and is as agile as a quarterback. You know who's six one six two six three. You know a lot smaller guy. Think of Lamar Jackson. Not saying he's Lamar, but you get the idea. I mean a tremendous. I mean he's zipping. I mean he's buckling the knees of Logan Wilson at the goal line for crying out loud. And uh, an absolutely hor- horrendous job by the. Defense, the soft zone that they were playing, especially in the first half, where the where their corners were playing, you know, five yards off the guy, giving giving ton, giving Trevor Lawrence and his receivers tons of separation to work with. I did not understand. They could not generate that much of a pass rush. They only got to Trevor Lawrence one time. They only got to Trevor Lawrence one time, and it was a vital and it was a vital uh, time in the game with the. Uh, and later on in the second half, but they they could not generate any any form and or in any sort of pass rush against Jacksonville. Their offensive their offensive line was absolutely phenomenal in the game. Tons of separation. Their wide receivers had a field day. You know, didn't go crazy. And Lawrence only threw for two hundred four. But you know, boy, I mean, they their wide receivers had plenty of separation to work with. 
uh, it's, yeah, only yeah, only two oh four there, and they often had plenty of separation to work with. Chenault Jr. had nine had a ninety nine yard receiving day. Just you know, just to throw that out there, but their defense was very spotty in the first half. Uh, running the football again, Trevor, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Eight carries, 36 yards. It was deacon them and juking guys left and right with the read option play. Uh, Robinson on 18 carries ran for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Defense was very, very spotty in the, in the first half. Offense outside of that opening drive that got negated by the Jamar Chase offensive pass interference and the Evan McPherson uh, opening drive missed field goal. The offense stalled out in the first half as well. And then you want to, and then I even tweeted if you go to my Twitter account at the J Shield, I even tweeted this at halftime. All right, this this is essentially what we need to do. Okay, they better not score not one more touchdown in the second half, and we need to go off and score about 21, 28 points in the second half. Well, they either well they either must have looked at my Twitter account, uh, they either must have got on their phones and looked at and looked in some you know. You know, uh, let's see what the Bengals fans are saying at halftime. They got booed off the field at half, by the way. Uh, you know, to just to jog your memory, he got they got booed off the field, off off the field at halftime, and was just absolutely horrendous going into halftime with a fourteen nothing deficit. I myself did not understand nor like the uh, conservative playing it safe mentality. The Bengals stopped the Jaguars at the goal line and make that fourth and goal stand, which I will get to from a Jacksonville standpoint in a minute. They stop them. They stop them at about the one two yard line, and rather than airing it out, offensive line has been pretty solid throughout the night. Even though you haven't mustered to score a uh, touchdown at that point in the game, why not? And knowing that you get the ball to start in the second half, and then I believe they had like either two, two one or two timeouts to at their disposal. Why not? Why not fling this thing out and say, "Hey, let's at least go into halftime with some points on the board, so we get the ball started the second half, and you know, we we either tie the game, we either tie the game with a touchdown, or we put ourselves within four by either kicking a field goal or kicking a touchdown based on what we do on this drive if we put the ball in the end zone or go and, and go and settle and kick the three. I myself would have been a little risky and would have been a little aggressive with it. You know, let's see if we can get ourselves out the end zone, work the sideline, stretch the field, and then, you know, there was certainly enough time for them to do so. They got the ball back. Uh, you know, they got the ball back with plenty enough time. Let me go back and... Let me go back at the video as I'm speaking and uh, go ahead and pull it up just just to be sure. But they had more than enough time to uh, they had more than enough time to use their to utilize their timeouts, keep Jacksonville on their feet, and be able to muster up a last second, uh, you know, a little two minute drill to close out the to close out the end of the first half and go into halftime with some momentum after a incredibly flat and just ugh disgusting. Uh, opening uh, opening thirty minutes to begin the game, uh, you know it's just why why not why not go ahead and and try why why not excuse me why not go ahead and see if you can pro- try to put the ball in the end zone kick a field goal something that I mean I understand that's just me and I understand you know from a fan standpoint you know fans are fans are you are usually more aggressive. 
uh, you know, are usually more aggressive and uh, rather than the coaches because the coaches has an idea because they're on the field. They know how their players are doing, how their players are feeling. But they stopped them. They stopped Jacksonville with 53 seconds left in the second quarter. They had two timeouts down by a score. And I'm not saying you got to go 90 yards to, you know, score a touchdown. But, you know, could you go seven, Could you go 65, 70 yards downfield? You got more. You got a little less than a minute left. Two timeouts. You know, you got the playmakers that you have on offense. Your offensive line is, you know, was solid in the first half, all things being considered. Why not go down the field, see if you can kick a field goal or score a touchdown so you can go in the halftime with a little bit of momentum? They didn't decide to do that and ended up working in their favor because they marched right down the field on their opening drive and ended up scoring a touchdown to make it 14 7. But still, but still, you get the idea. And, I, and from Urban, and from a standpoint of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't understand with Urban Meyer, you know, you you did a phenomenal you did a phenomenal job you know in the first half uh you know making the making life a living hell for the Bengals offense why would you you know why would you give them any uh you know why would you give them any motivation or any juice or any good mojo heading into halftime by you know being extra risky with it deciding to go for it on fourth and on fourth and goal inside your inside Cincinnati's you know one or two yard line kick the field goal take your three points so Cincinnati goes into the half down two scores and it's a three possession game rather than a two possession game you know it's a uh, you know so Cincinnati has to so Cincinnati has to score three touchdowns to take the lead or two touchdowns and a field goal to tie it rather than having to score two touchdowns to tie the game and two touchdowns to tie the game two touchdowns and a field goal to take the lead or three touchdowns to go, to go up by seven points so I do not understand it I understand you know Urban Meyer and and Jacksonville desperately wanted to get that win and wanted to get the sour taste of losing out of their mouth that's been that's been essentially sitting there since the second week of last season. I get that. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, the young rookie, and Urban Meyer, the first-time NFL head coach. But in my, in my eyes, I would have kicked the field goal. You had a phenomenal first half. Nobody expected you guys to be up up against what what was an impressive a team coming off of an impressive, gutty, gritty, uh, cultured-slash-tide-changing victory against Pittsburgh last week. Many people predicted since Cincinnati to win this game. I forget how much they were favored in Vegas by. This is, you know, Cincinnati on paper is a much better team than Jacksonville is. Nobody expected you get you guys on prime time, no less, to go up to go out there at, you know, uh, on a, on the road, go up against uh, go up against the Bengals and be up by fourteen at halftime. Be satisfied with that. Build on that. They got booed off the field for crying out loud. You know, you, you could you couldn't you know kick the field goal and make like. Just a little bit easier for him, you know. Down seventeen, nothing. You had to, you know, you know, try to uh, go for the gusto and be and start chasing points too early in the game and and try to go up twenty-one, nothing. And then knowing knowing that if you don't get it, the crowd's the crowd's going to be energized and and the uh, and the fans going to have something to cheer about for the first time essentially since the Bengals opening offense. I mean, I I just I don't understand it. But the offensive, but the offense. 
defense uh, for Cincinnati was just completely stagnant. Their defense wasn't that much better, and it was just a horrendous performance in the first half. And like I said, they made up for it in the second half by going out there and kicking at by kicking ass and taking names in the second half. Defense stepped out, stepped up tremendously. Only gave up one score in the second half. That was a fourth quarter uh, touchdown by Jacksonville, erasing a 14-point deficit, outscoring Jacksonville 24 to seven, scoring 14 points. Uh, in the third quarter to win the game 24-21. You know, and I thought about this in the back of my mind, and I didn't tweet it, and I didn't say it out loud because I didn't want to put it out there in the ether and put it out there in the air and possibly jinx it and me look like an idiot. But, you know, I thought to myself when the Bengals got the ball back, what about, I think about five, it was... I might be wrong, but I think it was 5.34 left to go in the fourth quarter when Cincinnati got the ball back. I said I said to myself, Cincinnati got the ball back late fourth quarter. I said Cleveland. I said to myself, Cleveland ain't gonna get Cleveland ain't gonna get this ball back. You get, you know, the ball is gonna be in Joe Burrow's hands. The offensive playmakers were starting to run the ball. We're starting to get into. We've been in a rhythm all 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 uh, game long in the second half. You know, in the second half we played phenomenal football offensively. Joe Burrow's cooking. C.J. Uzama's had a hell of a game. Jamar Chase has done his part. Tyler Boyd had a nice catch on a third and long that the Bengals had to have. When they started that drive at Jacksonville's 10 with a, with about 5.33, 5.32 left to go in the fourth quarter, and Jacksonville only had one time out, I said to myself, I said I didn't I I didn't say it out loud, but I said but subconsciously I was like, we're winning this game. Jacksonville ain't gonna go, ain't gonna get this ball back. Got the two minute warning. Drive down the field ninety yards. There's about you know five thirty left. We can sit. We can run the ball. If we we can take our time. We don't have to rush. We don't have to automatically go into the two minute drill right from the jump. We're at their ten yard line. We can just be ourselves. Play Bengal football. Run the ball with with Mixon and P Ryan when need be. Get ourselves a little bit. Of, get us. You know, build the build the flow of the offense. Work the play action. Find C.J. Uzama. If he ain't, if not him, go to Jamar Chase. If not him, go find Tyler Boyd somewhere. And that's exactly what the what the Bengals did. And Joe Burrow, you know, like you know, like the uh, you know, like what many all time great quarterbacks do, whether it be Brady, whether it be Rodgers, whether it be Mahomes, whether it be uh, you know, whether it be uh, Roethlisberger back in his heyday, whether it be uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, Brett Favre, you na- uh, Brett Favre, Elway, Unitas, Montana, uh, Bradshaw, you name it. What what all the great all time quarterbacks do? They have the ball. The ball is in their hands. Late fourth quarter, game is either tied or they're down by a score. And they they take their time. They don't rush. They don't panic. They have a feel and they have the temperature of their team. And they go out there and they march down the field and do what needs to be done for them to win the game. And that's exactly what Joe Burrow uh, and company did. Uh, on that on that final drive with 5.33, 5.32 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then how about C.J. Uzama, who tore his Achilles, uh, who tore his Achilles, ironically enough, the last time the Bengals won Thursday Night Football back in week two on the road in Cleveland, tore his Achilles, was out for the remainder of the season, and it has a, and it has a tremendous bounce-back game uh, with a five-reception, 95-yard, two-touchdown receiving performance of a game. I mean, he looked like Travis Kelce. He looked 
like Travis Kelsey out there on Thursday night. And I'm not just saying I'm not saying that because I'm a Bengals fan trying to blow smoke up his ass. Travis Kelsey saw what saw that CJ Ozama was born was born out and looked like uh, he was a uh, recent graduate of tight end university. I mean, well, it's funny because my sister is watching it with me, uh, watching it with me Thursday night said, you know, it must be something about 87. And I was like, 87? Like, what do you mean 87? He was like, well, Kelsey and Gronk. And I was like, ah, that makes sense. Because, not, to be honest, and I'm not saying that he is uh, Kelsey or Gronk, but on that particular night, he was very Gronk and very Kelsey-esque as far as, you know, as far as the little jailbreak route that he ran uh, in the second half in the fourth quarter, whether it be a little jailbreak route that he that he ran or the or the route that he ran to uh, to set up Evan McPherson's game winning field goal in week one in the Viking game in overtime on that play on that play action little little uh, side little kick out route that he ran on out on the left side of the offensive line, you know, and just be and just catching a ball, bouncing off of defenders and just powering his way and overpowering his defenders and just saying if you're in my way, get the hell out of the way. I'm gonna Scored his, I'm going to score this touchdown. He was very Kelsey-like on Thursday night. I mean, what a phenomenal job and what a phenomenal night he had rebounding from his torn Achilles that he had, that he suffered the last time he was on Thursday night football back in week two of the 2020 season. I'm still not sold on Zach Taylor yet. Got to be honest. Got to be fair. He's still, he makes me a little nervous. You know, why every time on second and long we run the ball, I have no idea. His play calling abilities are not exactly that of, uh, you know, are that, are that of uh, Andy Reid. Got to be honest, got to be fair. Um, but the but one thing I can't negate and one thing I can't hate on, one thing that I got to take note and, and factor into and factor into why this team is 3-1 and one as, of, uh, as of now, you know, in first place in the AFC North is because is one of two things. One, you can see his players love playing for him. He's one. I don't know how he did it or what he's doing, but he won the res- But he has won the respect of the players in the in that locker room. They love playing for him. They play hard for him. A good. They put out a competitive, valiant effort outside of the Bear game. Put out a competitive, valiant effort every single time they suit up and buckle up their chin straps. So they play hard for him, and they and they like and seem to respect Zach Taylor a whole hell of a lot. Which you know, if you if whether it doesn't even have to be football. They can be soccer, basketball, baseball with the manager. Uh, hockey, lacrosse—you pick the team sport. When the players inside that locker room trust, respect, and like the coach that they play for, you're gonna you're gonna win games simply be simply because of that in and of itself. You like you you respect and like playing playing for your coach, and you and you want to make them proud, and you want and you want to be able to please them with the phenomenal uh, performance out there on the field for for him to be, for he, she or he to be proud of, which which is part of which is part that's the intangible piece of what makes a great coach. 
your team, the team that you coach, wanted to go out there and and put forth and put forth the extra effort and go the extra mile, make that extra tackle, you know, lay out and make that catch, put a little oomph behind that behind uh, you know behind that pass, go out there and make and make the hit, you know, put a little oomph when when they punt or kick the ball off things of that nature part of the part of what makes a great coach and what makes a good coach that lasts and that wins in this league is is having the respect of the players of the players that 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 they play for and Zach Taylor has that and, you know am I again am I completely sold on on uh, you know as far as his play calling and completely sold on Zach Taylor the coach no, I'm not. As of now, I still need to see more, and he's done a phenomenal job with this team up until this point. But which, 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 you know, which is shouldn't be uh, thrown out with the bathwater, and deserve, and you know, he deserves to be. I don't know if commended is the right word, but deserves to be like, all right, now now you're starting to see, now you're starting to see a little something because of the fact that you know, he, you know, he had had, you know, he's pro- heading into the Bear game. He had only won one road game in his NFL, you know, in his NFL head coaching career. Now this now it's the point in time he starts needs to, he needs to start stacking up the wins. I get that, but hey. He, in some way or another, whether it be, I know for sure it's not necessarily his play calling and the fact that he's a great coach as far as X's and O's are concerned, but he's but he's starting to improve himself and starting to show what he's made of as far as as far as belonging in the NFL as a coach is concerned because of the fact that his team plays hard for him. He has the he has the respect of the of his players. Which is which is one of the most important things you can have, and most important and tangible qualities you can have in a coach is 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 having the respect of your players, is the first thing, and second thing is, and second thing is, and I said to myself, I'm not sure if a Marvin Lewis coached Bengals team makes that comeback at home down to down two touchdowns after an after an incredibly flat first half. I'm not sure if a Marvin Lewis coach Bengals team makes that makes that comeback. And the fact that a Zach Taylor coach team does does go out there and make that comeback, you know, a comeback that that playoff teams and soon to be hopefully Super Bowl contending teams know how to make and know how to construct and know how to execute and uh, go out there and you know go out there and do and 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 when a clock hits triple zeros at the end of the fourth quarter, they're the one with the most points. That he deserves some he deserves some credit and he deserves some praise for that. Not sold on him yet. But he's but he 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 hasn't he hasn't been terrible. He, he's done he's done a good job thus far. Still wish you know he he you know he wasn't out the lunch and that they could have uh, beaten the Bear game. But you know when you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you know, you know, and this is the best start that you've had to a season since 2018, albeit that season ended up in the toilet. But the best start you've had since 2017, 2018, and you didn't get your third win of the season until that uh, until that infamous Steelers Monday Night Football uh, Christmas miracle before Christmas last December. You will gladly take three and zero and in first place in the NFC North. 
gladly take it as a Bengals fan. You know, we should be 4 0. You know, had no business losing to the Bears, and we should have blown, we should have beat Jacksonville by three touchdowns. We should, we should have never been the fourteen nothing deficit, and that game should never have came down to a game winning field goal. By the way, how about Evan McPherson? First two home games as a rookie kicker, he's hit two game winning field goals. Well, what I, I tell you, Fat Rand, the concerns of Fat Randy are no more. Evan McPherson is an absolute stud. But anyway. If you're if you're like me, a long-suffering Bengals fan that's dealt with many a heartache and pain, and just a franchise that just exercises in futility like no other, you will gladly, you know, especially in the last couple of seasons, you've been winless until you know until no until November December, you know, season's half over and you got and we still don't have a win yet. You'll gladly take three and one and in the first place of the AFC North of all divisions, especially beating the Steelers, a nice victory on primetime television, you'll gladly take it. Especially when we didn't win our first when we didn't win our third game of the season until until mid late December of last year. You'll gladly take it, which I will. Team didn't quit Everybody had a winning mindset and did not panic, did not worry. And again, Zach Taylor deserves some credit for this. From Zach Taylor to the coaching staff, Burrow, all the way on down. Everybody played well and, and, and had a mindset that, hey, damn it, we're not going to lose this game. No need to panic, no need to worry, but we're, but we're not losing this game. We're better than this. And they went out there, outscored Jacksonville 24-7. And they're sitting, and they're and they're three, and they're three and one on the season. And uh, I understand it's only two games in, but they're undefeated at home. Now that's due to change because uh, we have Aaron Rodgers and the Super Bowl contending Green Bay Packers next Sunday, which should be a phenomenal day at the office. But hey, I'd rather go into Green Bay three and one than go into Green Bay one and three or zero oh and four. So. I do. I, I got to be honest. Got to be fair. Got to be objective. Do not expect us to be very competitive against the Packers. I, I I get that. You know, we are still a quote unquote rebuilding franchise. It's a couple years away from making a deep playoff run, in my opinion. But everything's looking promising for my favorite football team playing in the Queen City by the Ohio River. Phenomenal job Thursday night, boys. Phenomenal job. Great comeback. Should have should have blown them out. Shouldn't have been in a hole to begin with, but a win is a win, and three and one in first place in the AFC North is three and one in first place in the AFC North. However, you, however whichever way you slice it, and who'd have thought that we'd have a better record than the Kansas City Chiefs through the first month of the season? Who saw that coming? Any given Sunday. Take a break. Just getting started. This is the Amatelica TIS Podcast on Stitcher, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Back in flash.
Welcome back to the uh, Metallica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball as we are now in the final week of the regular season, which is kind of crazy, uh, you know, considering the fact that at the baseball, it's, it's this baseball season has seen has felt longer than usual. I mean, granted, it seems like it was only yesterday. It was early April, and you know, the you know opening day got washed out. "Quote unquote," washed out. There, there was a forty percent chance of rain, but they didn't want to play because it was like uh, forty-five degrees in Boston. And I remember their opening day was uh, was the next day that Friday. It was it might have been like April fifth, something along those. The first Friday of the month of April, and I and I froze and I froze my rear end off. It was thirty. No lie, early April. It was thirty-five degrees outside. Not in the morning, but all day. It was thirty. It was thirty-five degrees. So it seemed like that the baseball season came and went in a flash. But it's also, but it also feels like at the same time it's it's lasted forever. But anyway, that's not in nor there. Uh, since we last chatted, the Braves and the Astros have won their divisions. Uh, the Phillies. Couldn't get anything done down in Atlanta. They stank enough of them, uh, you know, so their division. So uh, their so the division is locked up for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, congratulations to them. They won the they won the NL East earlier this week, and the Houston Astros uh, won the AL West a few days ago. Uh, as they they it was only a matter of time until they did uh, with uh, Seattle playing good and everything. But they won the AF they AFC they won the AL West. Uh, earlier this week, so the so the West and the East and the American and National Leagues are locked up. Just to give you a rundown of uh, who's won what divisions before we get to the, uh, the really the two races that are left, and that's who gets the American League wild card and who wins the NL West. Uh, the the uh, uh, English guy, the Braves get the get the National League East. Brewers get the National League. Uh, Brewers get the National League Central. Cardinals locked up uh, the uh, the the the. I think what is it? The uh, yes, the fifth and final uh, NL, the fifth and final seed in the National League playoffs, i.e., the second wild card team. So they will just essentially sit back and wait and see. Do they uh, catch a plane to San Francisco or LA to play that National League wild card game? Uh, later in the early parts of the, of uh, next week, um, at they're currently at the time I'm recording this episode at 90 and 70. Milwaukee won their division, uh, so that's take they won their division, so that so the NL Central is all locked up. And then of course in the West, you know San Diego's finished the San Diego, San Diego is going to finish the season with a sub 500 record, folks. You know, for all the noise and for all the chit chat that occurred all throughout the off season in January, February, and all through March, and and how they played the Dodgers in early, you know, in early April, and they went out there and laid a, a big fat giant egg in the second half of the season. The best they can finish is eighty is eighty and eighty two. They're going to finish with a sub five hundred record, and Jace Tingler should not be the manager of this franchise once the season is over. They've lost seven games in a row, completely imploded, and they've lost nine of their last ten. But we knew they were finished. That's neither right here nor there. And then, of course, the Dodgers and the Giants. As of now, uh, three eighteen on a Saturday afternoon. 
the Giants have a two-game advantage over the Dodgers for the National League West. Uh, for the National League West, the Dodgers essentially Dodgers essentially lose one more. They lo- they lose a game. San Francisco gets their division as the uh, elimination number for the division for the Dodgers is at one. They're behind San Francisco uh, by two games. It's not not necessarily a miracle, but it but you know it's a chicken wing and a prayer for them to for them to snatch the National League West from the from the Giants who have been the best team in baseball all season long and essentially both. These teams don't lose. The Dodgers have gone eight and have gone eight and two in their last ten games. They won eight out of the last ten. Currently, riding a five-game winning streak. The only problem is that the Giants have done slightly better, winning their nine of their last ten, and they're currently on a seven-game uh, winning streak with a two-game advantage over LA. Uh, in the win column with 106 wins the Giants have and the Dodgers have 104. The loser of that race between the between the Dodgers and the Giants for the National League uh, will get the uh, fourth seed in the NL playoffs and get the first uh, wild card spot and get and will get a home game uh, later on next well, not later on but in the early parts of next week for that National League wild card game and will host. The uh, Saint and will host the St. Louis Cardinals for the right to play to win to win that game for the right to move on and play the Milwaukee no not the Milwaukee Brewers um to go up to play the to play the winner of the NL West um in the in the National League Division Series because the winner of this race between the Giants and the Dodgers not only gets the division but also gets best record and uh, and awaits the winner of the wild card game so you could get so you could end up getting Giants Dodgers regardless who wins the division who loses it you could get Giants Dodgers uh in the NLDS as easily as you could get Cardinals Giants or Cardinals Dodgers uh, in the NLDS that remains to be seen. While the while we already know what one what the other NL uh, division series matchup is going to be, and that's and that's an obvious answer is going to be between Milwaukee uh, and Atlanta in the national in the first of the two National League division series to kick off. Of the 2021 MLB playoffs, if you if Major League Baseball and they probably will do this come next season, if you were to do it by seeding and not place so much emphasis on division winner, if you do it essentially the way the NBA does it, where you know winning your division still means something, but the seeding and the playoffs is more is best is uh, puts more emphasis on record rather than winning your division. Uh, if that if it did it the NBA's if you did it the NBA's way you would essentially have you'd essentially have uh, the winner of the West you know the way it stands gets uh, you know gets the buy gets the buy quote unquote um, and you know wins their division but you would have but you would essentially have Atlanta be the lower seed would be the lower seed. Uh, would be the lower seed in the National League playoffs. The winner of the West would get the highest seed, and the winner of the uh, and the winner of the Central. This, of course, being Milwaukee, who's going to finish with a better record than St. Louis, regardless, would get the second seed in the would get the second seed in the West, or excuse me, get the second seed in the National League. The Cardinals get the Cardinals get the third. No, wait, scratch that. So the winner of the NL West gets the number one seed in the in the NL playoffs. The second place team, the NL West, gets the second best 
a seed in the National League playoffs. The third best uh, team, the the third seed goes to the third best team in the National League, which would go to the Milwaukee, which would go to the Milwaukee Brewers. The fourth best, the fourth best seed would go to the Cardinals with ninety with uh, with ninety wins, and then the fifth and final seed would go to the Braves because they play in the weaker division, who are going to end who are going to end their regular season with no more than this checking who will fit who will finish their regular season with no more than uh, 88 wins so they, they will be the, they will be the only team in the National League playoffs who had who will not win uh, 90 plus regular season games but anyway that's just something that I you know just thought I'd break down here as we are discussing the baseball but the NL but the NL uh, West chase for the division winner of Giants Dodgers get not only gets the division but also clinches best record in the National League and does not have to uh, and will not will not not have to but will a the winner of the National League wildcard game between St. Louis and whoever finishes in second place in the NL West. So uh, that's that's I'm number one, and then of course I'm number two is uh, the winner is the American League wildcard situation as the uh, East, Central, and Western divisions are all locked up. The Tampa Bay is going to win uh, is going to win a little over a hundred games. They've won seven out of the last ten. White Sox locked up their division. Houston locked up theirs, like I previously stated. The wild card is where it's going to get interesting. The Yankees only have a one game advantage over the uh, over the Red Sox as far as best as far as the uh, fourth seed and the American League playoffs is concerned and the first and the first of the better two wild card seeds in the American League to host a uh, to host a wild card playoff game uh, in the earlier in the earlier days of uh, this upcoming week while Seattle and Toronto are all a game are all a game behind the Red Sox for that fifth and final seed in the American League playoffs in that second in excuse me in that second wild card spot Toronto plays my the Toronto uh, plays my Orioles on Saturday afternoon Yankees are getting smacked by the uh, you know by the Tampa Bay Rays who have nothing to play for at this moment in time at the process of this recording down seven and two in the top of the sixth inning uh, as the Yankees have been you know in a games that the in a game that the Yankees have to have you know to provide themselves a little bit of closure and and to calm the nerves of their Yankee fans are just getting destroyed in the final Saturday afternoon game of the regular season up at the Bronx uh, against the against the Rays that have nothing to play for. They locked up their division. They locked the best record in the American League, have nothing to play for, and yet they're beating the Yankees up five runs in the latter innings of the, uh, of, the uh, of the final Saturday game. Of the 2021 regular season. Meanwhile, the Red Sox are in Washington to close out the regular season. That's the game that they have to have. The Nationals, of course, they're 65 and 95. Uh, they've been, you know, they've been out of their coup de grace. So their season was when Ryan McKenna scored on a, a walk-off infield single hit by Ramon Urias. 
back in uh, back in July when when they got swept by my Orioles, their you know their season's been over. Uh, their season's been over ever since then. Uh, they go up against the uh, Boston Red Sox, who lost two of three in the final uh, regular season uh, uh, home series for my Orioles for my Orioles earlier this week. They're at ninety and seventy, a series that the Red Sox had absolutely no business losing, uh, in which they will rue the day and be punching air and kicking themselves throughout the rest of the month of October and all throughout the rest of the fall and through the winter till uh, spring training 2022 in uh, this upcoming February, uh, you know, for losing two out of three and and Chris Sale getting uh, knocked all over Oriole Park at Camden Yards by uh, Ryan Mountcastle and the fellas back uh, earlier this week to close out the month of September. And then, of course, you have uh, Seattle taking on, uh, and then, of course, you have Seattle at 89 and 71 taking on the uh, LA Angels later on Saturday later on uh, Saturday night that's trying to uh, that's trying to get a wild card spot and end the and end the longest drought in the sport which is uh, you know from 2002 up until 2020 and it could either end in 2020 or the streak could extend to 2021 uh, years without a playoff uh, appearance of course the 2001 season where they set all sorts of regular season records got best record in the American League and got beat by the Yankees uh, in the ALCS of 2001 uh, so you keep an eye. So you keep an eye on those matchups to see who gets those two uh, wild card spots and who uh, will uh, can, whose season will extend by at least uh, one more game come uh, the earlier stages. I believe Tuesday night of uh, next week of the first full week of the month of October. Uh, Cardinals, like I said, stayed hot. Their winning streak. Uh, their winning streak continues. They have won. Uh, you know, they their winning streak is just I mean, they're just on a complete and utter tear. Uh they have not, you know, on you know, on a phenomenal winning streak like no other. If you go ahead and look at the last time the uh it, look at the last time the Cardinals uh lost a game, you have to go all the way back in their schedule. You have to go all the way back to uh well check that because their winning their winning streak snapped on the twenty ninth, so so that winning, so the winning streak ended on the 29th, getting shut out four nothing to the Milwaukee Brewers. But they were riding a 17-game win streak prior to Wednesday night on September the 29th. They had not lost a game since uh, since September since September the 7th, losing to the Dodgers seven to two, and then they went on a complete not well. Check that they had not lost a game since September the 10th. At home against the Reds, four to two, and they went on a tremendous tear, taking the next two games from Cincinnati, sweeping the Mets, sweeping the Braves, taking care of the uh, Brewers in a four-game series in Milwaukee, and then taking care of business on the road against Chicago, and then they beat the Brewers uh, six to two on the 28th, and then the winning streak was snapped on the 29th. Uh, losing to the Brewers by the final score of four to nothing. So, and of course, the Phillies missed out on postseason baseball for the tenth consecutive season in a row. Uh, that's now the that could if the if the uh, Mariners end up taking one of those two wild card spots and clinching a AL playoff berth, 
they could end up being they could end up having the title the uh, the title that nobody wants as the longest uh, uh, postseason drought in the sport for now until the uh, for now until either the Mariners extend their streak to twenty to twenty years in a row or they snap it at nineteen later on this weekend. But nevertheless, the Phillies. 10 straight seasons from 2012 up until 2021 at this point of uh, postseason less baseball. And that's with Joe Girardi as their manager and then paying Bryce Harper over $300 million over the span of the next dozen years or so. But that's your status report on the baseball. Phillies missed out on the postseason for the 10th straight season in a row. Second longest streak in the sport. Could be the first longest, depending on uh, if the Manners get in. Keep an eye out for who gets the American League wildcard spots between Toronto, Seattle, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. Uh, you know, you could you know keep an eye out on that and see uh, what the, and see if you have to play a, a, an extra excuse me an extra uh, regular season game game one sixty three on Monday or uh, play or the wild court game will be settled by the end by a six thirty at the latest come Sunday at come Sunday afternoon to see who plays in that American League wild card game to kick off the postseason next week. Also, keep an eye out on the NL West. Uh, on an, on the NL West to see who gets the division, the Giants or the Dodgers. Loser has to play. Loser gets a home game uh, against the Cardinals in the in the National League Wild Card game. Winner moves on to play the winner of this division of the NL West, who also clinches best record along with getting the honor of National League Western Division champion for the 2021 Major League Baseball season. And the Braves and the Astros won their division their respective divisions earlier in the week and kudos to the Braves for that tremendous winning streak that was snapped uh, earlier this week that's your uh, status report on the baseball we turn our attention back to the NFL preview the key matchups in week 4 of the National Football League right after this Welcome back to the Amatelki TIS podcast. Switching gears back to the National Football League. Preview the key matchups in week four to keep an eye on as we go down the list here from the games from the one o'clock window to the Monday night football game that will be amazing between the Raiders and the Chargers. Panthers and Cowboys is game number one. Very interesting game. Panthers are undefeated, uh, 3-0, one of the best records in all of football. Sam Darnold has played absolutely out of his mind since he's uh, gotten underneath the uh, awful reign of Adam Gase and the New York Jets. Uh, going into it's going to be one of their earliest biggest tasks of the uh, of the season going up against albeit their own one but still Dallas Cowboys one of the best offenses in football throughout the first three weeks of the season uh, perenni- in my eyes until I am proven otherwise until the Giants prove themselves they can win a game uh, you know we all know the Eagles are going to stink their rebuilding franchise and until. Uh, Washington gets their defense organized. They are by far the best team in the NFC East. 
Zeke, I understand it's one game and it was against the Philadelphia Eagles, but it looks like he might have he looks like he might have been able to found his old self. He's back to running the football at a high level that we all know he's capable of being. That's why he got that tremendous contract a few years ago. Dak Prescott, of course, hell of a quarterback. Not great, but still a hell of a quarterback nevertheless. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper and the gang, a phenomenal uh, performance they've had the last the first few three weeks of the season and a phenomenal game they had against uh, Philadelphia in particular. Uh, just a couple of notes to keep an eye on. Carolina has not allowed uh, 14 points or fewer, has, excuse me, has allowed 14 points or fewer in each game this season. The one game where uh, that, the one game where Dallas, you know, had to win a, the one time so far this season where Dallas had to win a gutty, grinded out defensive field position type of uh, game this year thus far was uh, against uh, a loss was against the Chargers in week two uh, with the with the Greg Zerline uh, game winning field goal at the end of regulation when they won that game uh, twenty to seventeen but but still I mean they've won you know they've won the majority of their games scoring or in the majority of games that they've played excuse me they've scored uh you know they've scored 28 points or more even though they lost that game week 1 against uh, the bucks they scored 29 points they dropped 41 on carolina uh, on Monday night, so it's a little bit of a short week for them, a home game, so it don't have to, you know, so it's not that much of an inconvenience. And then, of course, you know, after Carolina, they get the Giants, who stink. That game should be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, then week six against the Patriots, who knows? By week, week seven, and then on Halloween they get the Vic they get the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Then Denver, who look who by that time will probably uh, come will will have come back down uh, to earth by uh, by week nine, November the seventh, and then of course you get the uh, and then of course it's the uh, Atlanta Falcons week ten of the fourteenth of uh, November, and then they and then they run into a little bit of a buzzsaw. They get Kansas City. Week 11, Raiders week 12, uh, the Saints week 13, and then they hit the, and then they got to play Washington week 14. How Washington will be playing come uh, early December will remain was remain to be seen. Uh, but uh, yeah, but anyway, Carolina have had a couple of weeks have had a quite a few days off. Their week three game was a uh, was a win uh, on the road against the Texans, so they've had quite a few. Uh, days to gather themselves and to prepare for this game. Going, to, you know, uh, Dallas, which has uh, which has a significant as far as uh, preparation time is concerned, that is at a greater disadvantage than Carolina is, because Carolina has had the Friday night after the week two victory, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, Sunday night, Monday night to see Dallas play, and then two, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So they've had nine days to prepare for this game, while Dallas has only had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The the nine days to the six days that Dallas has. But anyway, I, it's going to be a match that I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, and then look at and then here, listen to this: that teams coming off of a Monday night football game. 
are 21 and 25 against teams coming off of a Thursday night game in NFL history. Dallas is 0 and 4 as the money as a team coming off of the Monday night game and get in such games in franchise history, which is why I brought that up. Carolina having nine days to prepare for this game. Dallas only having to deal with the six. The advantage that Dallas has is that they are is that it's a home that it, this game on Sunday is a home game, so they don't have to worry about travel. Carolina, one of three teams in the Super Bowl era to be to allow uh, fewer than fifteen points and allow and uh, to and to allow fewer than fifty rushing yards in each of their first three games. Uh, to begin the, to begin the season, and then of course the the Cowboys, and I bring up that their receiving core at the beginning of the monologue of this uh, monologue in this segment is that the Cowboys have had a different leading receiver in each game this season, whether it be Schultz to tight end, Ceedee Lamb or Amari Cooper. So one of the benefits of the Dallas Cowboy offense is, is that they don't depend on one guy, whether it be their tight end Schultz, whether it be Ceedee Lamb or Amari Cooper. Dak Prescott and the offense give them a ton of credit. They have been able to spread the in their receiving game, so no one guy is the end all be all target that puts the, that helps them move the ball down the field and put the ball in the end zone. They're able to spread the wealth amongst their receivers here to begin the young season. Um, and then uh, Elliott and Pollard each have allowed each excuse me have had a over 180 yards rushing this season. Only team duo to do that in the NFL as of this point uh, in this season. Uh, so interesting game, you know. See the Dallas Cowboy defense. You know they had a great, they, in part because of the fact that the Chargers got screwed by a ref ball two weeks ago. But I still need to see more from the Dallas Cowboy offense. Uh, let me see them. Uh, let me, you know, let me, let me let me see the shades of uh, New York Jets. Sam Darnold on Sunday. Let me see him with you know go into many you know in drives that Carolina has to have to keep themselves in the game or try to get a little separation between them and Dallas if they have a lead. Let me see their defense go out there and uh, you know and force Carolina into those third and longs. And let me see what uh, Sam Darnold and company is made of when they, when their backs are against the wall inside their own territory. On their own side of the 50, go into those 3rd and 7th, 3rd and 8th, 3rd and 9th, 3rd and 10th, 3rd and 12th, 3rd and 13th, 3rd and 50. Let me see what Car- what Carolina is made of with their backs against the wall against a perennial uh, playoff contender in the Dallas Cowboys. And then from the Dallas side of things, you know, let me see, you know, and, and, and of course from the Dallas side of things, offensively speaking, you know, let me see, let me see the Carolina Panthers defense. Let me, let me start to see some cracks in Carolina Panthers defense you know they you know they have allowed 14 points or fewer in each of their first three games this season longest streak in franchise history for carolina's weeks eight through ten in their 2013 season so if you're the cowboys let me see you put up points you know even if you end up winning the game let me see you let me let me see y'all put the ball in the end zone you know four at the minimum four times in this game let me see you score 21 let me see you score 21 to 20 let me see you score 21 to 31 points like it's no big deal like it's no problem let me see you put the ball in let's see Dak Prescott stretch the field spread the wealth like he has early in the season let's see the running game whether it be Tony Pollard and Zeke 
Tony Pollard, or Zeke, or let me just see shades of 2016, 2017 Zeke Elliott and just run rampant all over the Carolina Panthers' defense, which I understand many opponents have had issues uh, in doing in the past, but let me see. Uh, you know, We all know that the Carolina Panthers aren't Super Bowl, aren't Super Bowl contenders, and we all know, you know when it's all said and done that they aren't going to be the best team in their division. The Bucks are. Let me see the Cowboys exploit that. That is game uh, number one. Game number two. Two uh, is between the Arizona is over the two games in the NFC West that uh, hold that hold mega weight to it as far as playoff seating and winning your division and everything else. And I understand we're only in Week Four, but it's the Cardinals and the Rams and the Seahawks and the 49ers. Let me begin with the card. Let me begin with the Cardinals and the Rams first. The Rams have won eight straight games against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Sean McVay is undefeated. Uh, as his career as Rams head coach going into a going into halftime with a lead, as he did so against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, and it came out on the other side at the end of the fourth quarter uh, with the you know with the win. Rams have allowed have allowed fewer than thirty points in sixteen straight games. That's the second longest streak in the active. Second longest active streak in the NFL thus far, and the Cardinals have scored 30 or more points in each game thus far in uh, so far this season. Something's got to give. So either the Ram defense is going to hold strong and be one of the league's best and and force uh, you know and and make life a living hell for Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and that offensive uh, and their and the firepower that they have offensively. Running the ball with James Conner and Kyler Murray, and then of course the receiving threat that they have in Kirk and and AJ Green, and of course the one of the best wide receivers in football and DeAndre Hopkins. Let me see the Rams make life uh, make life difficult for the Rams offensively, and then for the, and then on the Arizona Cardinals side of the football defensively. Let me see, you know, Matthew Stafford has been flying high the first three weeks of the season. Let me see. Let me see what Matthew Stafford's made of when he has to face a little bit of adversity and you know throwing the ball downfield to uh, you know whether it be the Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, or hell even the Sean Jackson. Let me let me let me see let me see the Cardinals take that away from him. You know force force the uh, Rams to run the ball, make life a little difficult for, uh, for the Rams in running the football. And let me see uh, you know let me see the uh, the Cardinals. Force the uh, you know. Let me see the Cardinals take a shot for every single time I say. Let me see. Let me see. That's another one. Uh, the <laughs> the Rams uh, make life a living hell as far as Matthew Stafford and throwing the football. He's three and zero this season so far with a seventy percent completion percentage, averaging three averaging. 314 passing yards a game, nine total touchdowns, only one interception. I need to see the Cardinals change that and make life uh, and make life a little bit difficult for Matthew Stafford uh, as they, as they get yet another home game in the earlier stages of the season uh, over there out west in SoFi. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray, seventy six percent completion percentage, he's averaging three hundred and thirty five passing yards a game, ten total touchdowns, four interceptions. So and he's 0-4 against the Rams in his career thus far, getting outscored 121 to 66. So it's fair to say that the Rams uh, have Kyler Murray's number. Uh, let's uh, let's take a look 
and see if Kyler Murray has anything to say about that and will the trends continue as far as it being a one-sided affair between the Rams and the Cardinals or will things change and the Cardinals start to uh, slow down the high-flying Rams who, going off of what I said earlier earlier in the week on Wednesday, that the Rams are the best team in the NFL. Let's see the Arizona Cardinals go out there and change that come Sunday uh, afternoon. And then, of course, you have the other matchup in the NFC West between the Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks were, I mean, their their offense was asleep at the wheel, and their defense was and their defense get got ran out of U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, last Sunday on the road against Kirk Cousins and the Dalvin Cookless uh, Minnesota Vikings offense. I want to see them bounce back against the San Francisco 49er defense that lied down that lied down and died. Died and got taken to the clinic by Aaron Rodgers during that final drive of their game on Sunday night. Uh, San Francisco's 2-1, Seattle's 1-2. And and Russell Wilson has never lost three straight games in a season. And his 147 career starts. Uh, let's you know. Will San Francisco? Uh, will San Francisco make history, or will Russell Wilson make history of his own by keeping that streak going and uh, and avoiding Seattle to drop the one and three, improving on two and two on the season, and tie San Francisco with uh, with uh, one of those uh, spots in the NFC Western. Uh, division from from a Seattle standpoint, I gotta see them be able to run the football. They could not; they did not run the football well, and they're off. They couldn't get anything going offensively. They only scored seventeen points. You know, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson day at the office was not great uh, against Minnesota. Uh, it could not run the football, which they've had a a huge issue at doing essentially since Marshawn Lynch left. Chris Carson is not is not a big time running back. I have no idea why Seattle went out there and resigned him. You know, if you wouldn't have traded away that draft pick to get Jamal Adams, you could have found yourself a way to trade up with Pittsburgh. And uh, you know, I understand hindsight's twenty twenty, but you could have had a chance to trade up with Pittsburgh if you had a first round draft pick to work with. And who knows? You could have Najee Harris in your lap, which is which is what the Seahawks need in the worst way is a is an offensive threat as far as a run as you know an, a, a a rushing attack that which they have not had since the days of Marshawn Lynch and Najee Harris provided for him and they can't get Najee Harris because they didn't have a first round draft pick because gosh darn it we must ha- we must have Jamal Adams at safety albeit our defense is absolutely uh, putrid and Ken Norton's hot seat is getting hotter and hotter uh, by the day and in San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo who did not who you know who did not blow up the score blow up the stat sheet by any by any uh, by any accounts of the imagination, which I said on Wednesday, but at the same time, and this is for uh, the Trey Lance lovers and for Kyle Shanahan, who thinks he invented football, who thinks he's better than Bill Walsh, who thinks he's the next Bill Walsh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did march down the field with under a minute to go and, le- and shoulda, coulda, woulda, Led the uh, or not led, but he did lead the 49ers on what could have been the game winning uh, the game winning touchdown to Kyle Juszczyk with less than 40 seconds left in regulation at home against Green Bay on that Sunday night, which people tend to forget about. I don't forget about, but what people tend to forget about when they uh, are so trigger happy to critiquing 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He did he did march San Francisco down the field and put them in a situation if their defense could have gotten a stop for them to uh, win the game on Sunday night. So it's going to be a very interesting affairs in the NFC West. Um, well, well, the uh, you know the Cardinals and the Rams are both undefeated. One of those teams will not be at, uh, come the end of a Sunday afternoon, and the Seahawks and San Francisco, you know, will both of these teams be two and two at the end of this at the end of the day on Sunday, or will Seattle drop the one and three, and San Francisco be three and one? Remains to be seen. Those those are going to be two very interesting games to keep an eye on. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, one of the two best get outside of the uh, Buck Patriot game. Those two ga- those two games are the two best games on paper heading into uh, heading into Sunday's action. The two F- the two NFC West games between San Francisco and Seattle and uh, Arizona and the Rams. Both teams, the Arizona and the Rams, are undefeated. Uh, high flying offense for both teams, as a matter of fact. But the Rams are the more complete team because they have a, they've had a phenomenal offense. Offense the first three weeks of the season, and then of course they have that great defense to back it up. While while you know the, while I got to see a little bit more, and again JJ Watt for the money he's making still have yet to make a, a big time impact, and an Arizona Cardinal uniform I still have yet to see that, which I will keep my eye out for on Sunday. And then of course the high flying offense where Kyler Murray and the Cardinals can do no wrong. And then, of course, you have, um, uh, and of course, the Ravens and the Broncos only bring this matchup up because of the fact that the Ravens, you know, looks like that they could, that this could be the beginning of them going on a nice little hot streak. They're two and one. The first three weeks of the season have been emotional, or heart wrenching, uh, gutty games, whether it be the week one overtime loss to the Raiders, the emotional victory at home to beat the Chiefs in week two, week three, the Justin Tucker record-breaking 66-yard field goal to knock off the Lions. Wouldn't shock me if their game against Denver goes down to the wire as well. Denver uh, is uh, essentially the AFC's uh, Carolina Panthers, one of those teams that you did not expect and did did not see uh, being undefeated uh, heading into the second month of the season in the month of October, Teddy Bridgewater has done a phenomenal job for the Denver Broncos. And, of course, that defense who has Von Miller back and is looking like the shades of their 2015 championship defense. One of the reasons why the Broncos are 3-0. and uh, I don't expect them to be undefeated after the day is over. By a 7.30, 7.45 Sunday night, I expect uh, both of these teams to be 3-1. and one. Uh, But uh, both of these teams to be 3-1. and one. But it would really floor me, and it really would be a, a statement victory, and would kind of make the rest of the AFC West and make the football world, you know, uh, sit up and 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 wide their eyes a little bit if the Broncos take care of business against the Ravens at home against the 2019 NFL MVP Lamar Jackson. This is a game, I understand the Broncos are 3-0, and up, but this is a game that if you're the Ravens, you cannot afford to lose. When you have a tough schedule, you got to play the Rams, still got to play the Packers, you got the Chiefs You got the Chiefs and Raiders out the way, but still, you, you got to still play the heavyweights of the NFC in the Rams, in the Rams, and then, of course, the Packers later on in the season. You still have yet to play Cleveland. You still have yet to play Cincinnati. And you still have yet to play Pittsburgh. This is a game that the Ravens have to have 
uh, have to have, you know, start stacking and, and stockpiling your wins early because wins will come at a premium as you get deeper and deeper into the season. Still yet to play your divisional opponents, and then you got to and then you got to play two NFC heavyweights. Granted, you have the advantage because you're at home for both of those games. You still got, but you still got to play the NFC heavyweights in the Packers and the Rams, and then of course the key divisional matchups against Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Then of course you have the return, one of the most highly anticipated uh, regular season uh, games in uh, in NFL history, arguably. Uh, between the between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots, Tom Brady's return to Foxborough, the place where he won six Super Bowls, participated in nine Super Bowls, many about a dozen of AFC Championship games for that franchise. Uh, just, I mean, what what else could be said more about this game? I'm pretty sure you've heard all the hype and have heard all the noise and all the rumors and all the drama surrounding Brady, Belichick, and Kraft. I'm not going to waste my time and waste uh, words and waste my breath rehashing it, going through it, giving my opinion because it's all hearsay. He said, she said, gossip stuff with a bunch of of anonymous quotes. You will imagine that this game is going to be very emotional for Brady and for Belichick as, as these two, knowing how they are, knowing how they operate, they want this game in the worst way. Belichick, of course, you know, with his team being one and two, seven and nine season last year, Brady and the Bucks, the defending champions, one year removed after leaving the Patriots. You know, he wants this game in the worst way imaginable to get to improve his franchise to two and two and stick at the time. And of course, you know, Tom and the way he is, he wants to stick it to the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick. And, and, you know, and wash the bad taste of that uh, Ram game out of their mouth and improve to three and one uh, on the season. It's going to be a, you know, you, it's going to be. A, a huge, 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 huge uh, fiasco, a huge deal. It's the final day of the MLB regular season, so no Sunday night baseball they have to worry about going up against. It's going to be no, 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 no NHL or NBA preseason, no training camp got garbage, none of that nonsense. It's going to be all to. It might end up, it might end up breaking the record as the highest, as the most watched, highest rated Sunday night football game. Uh, of all time, which I will look up and see if I can get you uh, in the next segment to see w- to see what the highest rated Sunday Night Football game since it's been on NBC since '06 uh, is in the last uh, 15 years or so. But highly anticipated matchup. I'm not gonna again, not gonna bore you because you know what's going on, but you know emotions are going to be high. Uh, uh, and you know the video tribute and the reception. Uh, to, if any, if any Patriot fan has the nerve, the temerity, the audacity, the unmitigated goal, and the chutzpah, to, and the and and the and the and the and the balls to boo Tom Brady tomorrow night. They, they they need to donate their brain to science and never go to another New England Patriot game again and just give up on just being a sports fan. Because if you boot Tom Brady, there is legitimately something wrong with you. Seriously, I'm not I'm not bullcrapping. There, if you if you are a if you're listening to me and you are a New England Patriot fan, whether you're watching the game on TV at home 
or you're one of the fortunate that has a ticket to Gillette Stadium on Sunday night, if you boo Tom Brady, there is something legitimately wrong with you. You don't boo him. He, he, there should be a about a five, ten-minute standing ovation for Brady on Sunday night. And I expect the video tribute at Gillette Stadium to be absolutely phenomenal. But once the ball kicks off, it's going to be all business. And I'm looking forward, especially on how the game goes and how the game ends, I'm also looking forward to seeing what the post-game handshake, if there will be, between Brady and Belichick. Yeah, you'd have to figure figure that they would at least, regardless who wins or loses, you you at least would figure that there would be some sort of a handshake, maybe even a hug between Brady and Belichick. Because after all, they are responsible of one of the greatest dynasties, not just and not just in the history of the NFL, but in the history of American team sports. So, factor that into the equation. Tampa needs this game as far as getting back to the individual teams and not so much Brady and Belichick. Tampa needs this game again to wash the bad taste out of their mouth. They were horrendous defensively. I mean, their defense is overrated. Their defense stinks. They got taken to the clinic by the Cowboys in week one. Week two, they weren't that much better against Atlanta, albeit the defense had two pick sixes in the game, which kind of put the game to bed uh, from a Tampa standpoint. But their defense is overrated. It stinks. Uh, and if there's any game that they that they could have and that they need to kind of build their confidence defensively is against the New England Patriots, who are ranked 24th thus far this season offensively. Who you know who were not a big who are not a big factor and who did not perform well uh, against the Saints last week and have really have not performed well offensively all season long. This is a game that Tamp that the Tampa defense needs to uh, you know kind of wash the bad taste out of their mouth and to rebuild their confidence defensively. They signed Richard Sherman earlier in the week. If it makes a difference, remains to be seen. And, of course, from a Patriot perspective, it's an opportunity for their offense. Uh, it's an opportunity for their offense to get off the schneid and, uh, you know, and, to, uh, and to see if Mac Jones and company can put up some points against the Tampa Bay defense. And, of course, the Patriots defense, which is ranked fifth, Thus far this season, you know Tom, you know Bill Belichick knows what Tom Brady's going to do better than anybody, better than anybody's going to be on the field on Sunday night. So you know, I expect Tampa to win the game. I expect it to be a, a close, tight, gritty, emotional football game. Uh, but if anybody knows what Tom Brady's going to do, it's Bill Belichick. He is a defensive genius, after all. You know, coach with Tom for twenty, for, you know, for from two thousand. To uh, to from 2000 to 2019, that's 20 seasons, 19 years. Anybody knows TB12, it's Bill, and you know that even if the Buccaneers win this game, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna be a cakewalk. That 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 I can guarantee you. But anyway, should be a very intriguing and very special and emotional game. You know, NBC's hyping it up all over the, everywhere you look. Whether it's whether it's the Adele Hello from the other side, uh, the Eminem Without Me. Guess who's back? Back again. 
Brady's back, tell a friend that whole deal. And of course, you go on Brady's Twitter page, and he has that uh, that little homecoming timeline video of Brady circa Madden, circa Madden 2000, 2001, of the journey of his career with the combine and that famous picture of him with a shirt off, you know, with the uh, you know with the board of Br- of Brady's numbers and Michigan and the six round draft and all that sort of stuff, and in the timeline of in the timeline of the Tuck Rule game, Super Bowl 36, the knock off the Rams, 30, uh, 37, well, not 37, 38, the knock off the Panthers, 39 to beat the Eagles, and, it, and 39 to beat the Eagles. And then it's, and then, and then Brady, of course, you know, laughing and poking fun at himself at a self deprecating way. He kind of fast forwards through the, he kind of fast forwards the, the little, uh, a little, it's like about like five to eight seconds where he kind of fast forwards through the, through the, the uh, Super Bowl 42 and 46 losses to the uh, Patriots, and it's funny. He also has the actual score bugs of those games. Uh, you know, the uh, of the of every Super Bowl and and the Tuck Rule playoff game against the Raiders. He even has like the little his social media team even cr- went back and created, if not copy paste from the actual game, the little score bugs of the games that he has depicted in that little timeline sheet. Um, you know, and it fast forwards through the two Super Bowl losses against the Giants. Um, you know, goes through the twenty-eight to three comeback against Atlanta. Funny, and then he hilariously fast forwards through the uh, through the uh, Super Bowl fifty-two loss to the Eagles with the with the uh, play sheet drawing of the Philly special play, and then of course it's the Super Bowl victory against the Rams. Goes to the Buccaneers. He's in a Buccaneer uniform, walking along the pirate ship, and it goes into Foxborough and tries to set the scene of of Sunday night, where he's where he's standing there in a Buccaneer uniform with all the Patriot Super Bowl Lombardi trophies with him. As you hear Jay Z's allowing me to reintroduce myself. My name is Oh Oh, and you hear that playing in the background, which of course, which uh, which apparently is one of Tom Brady's uh, favorite songs by Hove. Um, so it's just so he got all that factoring into the factoring into it, along the fact that the that the Patriots have uh, that the Patriots lost their game last time out to the Buccaneers division rival the Saints. They're trying to even themselves up to two and two on the, on the season. Buccaneers tried to avoid dropping in two and two and pl- trying to improve themselves to three and one. Get off the schneid after the loss to the Rams uh, on Sunday afternoon should be a very special, special game on Sunday night. And then, of course, there's the Monday night game that I'm also looking forward to between the Raiders and the Chargers. The Raiders are undefeated. They're 3-0. The Chargers are right there in the NFC West with a 2-1 record. The Raiders have won three out of their last four meetings against the Chargers. Should be a very uh, That should be a, a phenomenal Monday night game as well. Raiders coming off an overtime victory. That you know was like pulling teeth going up against the uh, the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. They go on the road to play the Chargers at SoFi. Chargers coming off of a last second gutty gritty victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. As uh, as you have a very it's funny one you got you got a key and important vital matchup in the AFC West and Patrick Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs are nowhere to be found in this game. 
Who would have saw that? You knew that the Chargers were going to be good. At least I did. You knew that the Raiders were going to be competitive, but th but three and zero. The way Derek Carr is playing and their defense has totally stepped up. And for now, played had done a complete one eighty on their performance. I mean, they were very spotty against the uh, against Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins. But having said that, a phenomenal season to begin the year. First three weeks of the season, nevertheless. And you get Raiders Chargers Monday Night Football is going to be it's going to be a complete doozy. I will pick that game and all the other games in Week Four of the National Football League in the Week Four picks against the spread to close out the program. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the M Teleka TIS podcast. Uh, just a couple of items of business to get to before we get to the picks. Um, the mo by the way, the most, the highest rated Sunday night football uh, broadcast since it's been on NBC was on December thirtieth, two thousand twelve, between the Redskins and the Cowboys. That was the game that decided who was the winner, who was going to be the winner of the NFC East. Uh, that game got. Uh, 30.4 million viewers and had a household rating of uh, of 12.7 and from 8:31 to 11:25 p.m. 20 over 22 million people watched the game 30.4 million altogether throughout the duration of the game so that was the that was to decide the winner of the NFC East that the uh, that the Cowboys or excuse me that the Redskins ended up winning that night on December the 30th of 2012 30.4 million people that's the highest rated Sunday night football game of all time uh, up until this point in history we will see and I I would I'd be shocked if it didn't we see if the if the uh, Buccaneers Patriots game uh, doesn't doesn't surpass that uh, number. By the way, Gronk, everyone's making a big deal about Brady, but also another another Patriot great was supposed to make his return to Foxborough. That being the great tight end Rob Gronkowski, who won't even be in the building on Sunday night, not traveling uh, with the with the team from Tampa to Boston. Rib injury he suffered in their loss against the Rams last Sunday. He will not. He didn't. He will not make the trip, and he won't play against the Patriots. And uh, Chase Claypool, dealing who uh, injured his hamstring in their loss against my Bengals last Saturday, he is downgraded to. Uh, he is downgraded to out. Uh, after missing, uh, originally listed as doubtful after missing Friday's practice, he is downgraded to out in their game uh, against the Packers on Sunday. So just a, just a couple of uh, housekeeping items to attend to uh, before we get to our week four picks in the National Football League. Tam oh, excuse me, by the way, order of business, Blue Jays up 7-1 through 3 against my Orioles at this point in time in this recording. Uh, so just keep an eye out on that. Week 4 picks 
First weekend in the month of October, which is hard to believe. First three weeks of the NFL season have gone by like that at the drop of a hat. Hard to believe. But it's week four in the National Football League. First weekend of games in the month of October in the league where they play the pay. Game number one will be between the well, game number one that I will pick is between the Washington football team of one and two going up against the one and two Atlanta Falcons. Washington favorite minus one and a half. Washington got absolutely smacked by the Buffalo Bills their last time out while the Falcons coming off of uh, coming off of their game last week, uh, the last second victory over the their last second road victory over the New York Football Giants. Washington favorite minus one and a half. This is the game that Washington. Uh, should and has to have if they want to get back on track, as you know, get back on track and save their season potentially before it slips away from them. Give me the wash. Give me Washington to win this game by the final score of 27 to 17. Buffalo Bills going up against the Houston Texans. Houston lost their last game week three at home against the Carolina Panthers, while Buffalo, like I aforementioned, took care of business at home against Washington. Buffalo favorite minus 17 points. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game by the final score of 42 to 10. Detroit Lions going to be getting the winless Detroit Lions who lost, and I mean lost, get, getting screwed by ref ball, a delay a game penalty should have been called, and of course the wonderful uh, magic of Justin Tucker's leg. 66-yard record-breaking game-winning field goal last week. They're on three. I believe they're going to get their first win of the season going up against the hapless Chicago Bears, who did not show up against the uh, Cleveland Browns on the road last week. Dropped the one and two. Bears fire favorite minus three and a half. Give me the Detroit Lions to win this game by the final score of 17-14. And the Carolina Panthers going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys 2-1 going against the Panthers 3-0. Cowboys took business on Monday night, defeating the uh, defeating the uh, Philadelphia Eagles by a double digits. Carolina took care of business in their Thursday night game against the Texans. Give me Dallas to win this game, their favorite minus four. Give me Dallas to win this game by the final score of 28-24. Uh, to 24. Indianapolis Colts, they're 0-3 and got to save their season and save it quick, fast, in a hurry. And not a better opportunity against the uh, Tua Tagovailoa-less uh, Jacoby Brissett-led Miami Dolphins who lost in a heartbreaker, a uh, last-second field goal, not last-second, but uh, heartbreaking game-winning field goal in overtime. Daniel Carlson improved the Raiders to 3-0 on the season. Miami drops the 1-2. Both of these two teams need this game if they want to uh, be a playoff contender as the season rolls along. Miami favorite minus two and a half. Give me the Dolphins to win this game by the final score of 17 to 14. Cleveland Browns taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings took care of business at home in their home opener against the uh, Seattle Seahawks who were uh, dead as a doornail. Uh, the Cleveland's favored by a point. Took care of business, like I said, against the uh, hapless, inept uh, uh, Chicago Bears. Give me the Browns to win this game by the final score of uh, 28 to 23. 
giants, the windless giants, the hapless giants, the disgusting waste of my time giants going up against the uh, New Orleans Saints who took care of business, got their second win of the season at Foxborough. They take on the New York football giants. Oh, wrong song, sorry about that. Um, going up against the hapless, winless New York Giants, who are 0-3, lost the last sec on last second field goal by Young Way Koo of the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Last second field goal to put them over the top to extend the Giants' losing streak on the 2021 season to 0-3. Saints favored by a touchdown. Give me the Saints to win the game by the final score. This, there, by the way, this is going to be a game with a lot of emotion for the Saints as they return back to the Superdome for the first time since the effects of Hurricane Ida. Give me the Saints to win this game by the final score of 27-14. to 14. Tennessee Titans go on the road to take on the New York, the hapless New York Jets. They are also 0-3. Tennessee favored by 6 points. Tennessee took care of business against the uh, Colts in their first divisional matchup of the season at home uh, against the Colts. Jets return, uh, Jets return home to MetLife Stadium. Give me the Titans to win this game by the final score of 37-17. While the Kansas City Chiefs trying to get off the schneid, they've done, they've done something that the uh, Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, do not do often, and that's lose back-to-back -back games. It's almost a gift from the football gods that they're playing the hapless Philadelphia Eagles, who have been out to lunch the last two games of the season after defeating the Falcons to begin the new year. Chiefs favorite minus six and a half. Giving the Chiefs to win this game by the final score of 35-21. And the Arizona Cardinals going up against the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Both of these teams are 3-0 heading into this week four game. Rams favorite minus four points. Matthew Stafford and the Rams and their defense just too damn good for me to pick against them right now. Uh, best team in football. I believe they're going to improve the five, excuse me, 4 0 on the season. Give me the Rams to win this game by the final score of 27 to 23. Seattle Seahawks going against San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 2 1 on the season, suffered their first defeat of the year thanks to the wonders of Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers and the leg of Mason Crosby. While the Seahawks trying to get off the schneid, they've lost back-to-back -back games, trying to improve the two and one. Excuse me, improve the two and two on the season, win their first divisional matchup of the 2021 season. San Francisco fair minus two and a half. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to win this game by the final score of 20 to 17. Denver Broncos going up against. The Baltimore Ravens, Denver Broncos undefeated on the season to the surprise of many football fans across the country. They're 3-0 going against the Baltimore Ravens who are 2-1. They're 2-1 thanks to the genius and the guts that this football team has from the head coach in Harbaugh and Roman all the way down to Lamar Jackson to the leg of Justin Tucker that kicked that record-breaking, unbelievable 66-game-winning field goal to knock off and to escape the Detroit Lions last Sunday. Baltimore favored by a point should be a, a tightly, highly contested game that will uh, put Ravens fans' heart, hearts into arrhythmia and give them many a heart attacks wanting to run to the high blood pressure medicine. Give me the Ravens to win this game and a close one, 24-21.
Green Bay Pack is going up against this Pittsburgh Steelers. Green Bay aforementioned took care of business against the 49ers on Sunday night. They're 2-1 while the Steelers got punched in the mouth by my Cincinnati Bengals at home back in week 3. Tough opponent, tough ass with their inept offense. TJ Watt is back, which is a plus. But when Aaron Rodgers and the bad and the bad man that he is, they're just getting started up there in Green Bay. Give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game by the final score of 28 to 13. Packers favorite minus six and a half. And then the Sunday night game between Tampa and New England, like I said in the earlier segment, highly contested. Both of these teams will have done their homework. Plenty of motivation, not just because it's Brady versus Belichick and, their reu- and, the, and the return and everything else, but also because of the fact that, uh, you know, Tampa wants to get the bad taste of their, uh, you know, humbling loss to the Rams out of their mouth. And the Patriots want to prove that, hey, you know, we're looking to be a playoff team in here in 2021. Tampa Bay's favorite minus touchdown minus, uh, favorite by touchdown minus seven points. Um... Give me the uh, favorite, excuse me, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, Tampa favorite minus seven points. Going to be a highly contested, highly competitive football game. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game in a classic by the final score of 24-21. And then the Monday night game between the Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Raiders' undefeated season ends here. Give me the Chargers, who are favored by a field goal to win this game and a highly contested matchup by the final score of 27 to 24. Raiders coming off of a last, uh, coming off of a uh, highly contested overtime victory over the Dolphins at home, while the Chargers coming off of a highly contested emotional last-second victory over their nemesis and the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Should be should be a great weekend of football. Uh, I expect the Vegas, I, I just for the pick, for the pick's sake, give me the Chargers to win the game 27 to 24. That game should be, that game should be very good. Uh, Tampa and New England should be off the charts. Baltimore and Denver should be off the charts. Um, uh, the Seattle-San Francisco should be great. Arizona and the Ram game should be great. Um, and if you want to go one game in a 1 o'clock window, which should be I, uh, I would go with Carolina and Dallas to be the best game in the 1 o'clock window. But that is your week four picks against the spread in the National Football League for Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and, of course, the Monday night game as well and that is your show and that is another episode of the Amatelaki TIS podcast in the books let me see if I can give you uh, another uh, element of baseball to keep you clued in on Yankees are Yankees are just getting destroyed absolutely gutless heartless performance by them getting destroyed by Tampa who has absolutely nothing to play for and the Yankees are getting smacked at home uh, by Tampa who they always get destroyed by down by 10 runs uh 12 to 2 it looks like the Yankees are going to need a chicken wing and a prayer from uh, Toronto and from uh, from Toronto, Seattle, and Boston. Uh, so they need the uh, need the uh, Orioles, the Nationals, and the 
Angels to cover the Yankees high and what has been an absolutely gutless, heartless, disgusting performance from the New York Yankees and what has been a crazy season for the Bronx Bombers like no other. But anyway, I get off the beaten path. Your week four picks against the spread, and that is your show and another episode of the Yamatel podcast in the books. If you enjoyed what you heard and new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Follow the show on Twitter at, or excuse me, follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore Italias and the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. It is your boy Josh Shields and don't hesitate to answer the question of the episode available only on Spotify. It's your boy Josh Shields. Talk to you next week. Enjoy the baseball and enjoy week four. Talk to you later.